And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. There we go. A little change of pace. We are live from the bunker today. Jason Hutt here in the studio. Mrs. Boss over there. Hi. And today we are not going to be talking about comic books. I know. Terribly disappointing for about five of you out there. And Gary will be disappointed no matter what we talk about, so that's okay. We made a special a special picture, a special image, a special graphic for Gary. Now Gary is just a generic Gary name thing, so today we're talking about the Emmys. The Emmy nominations have come out and there are a few genre programs that are scattered about in that list. Uh, quite a few nominations for a few shows. So we're going to take a look at it, and I, I have a question. I have a question for people, and Mrs. Boss, you might be pondering this question as well. Are the awards relevant anymore um and i ask that question and i want to go into to some of this because uh we've posted over on sci-fi for me.com we've posted a number of awards that have uh, been uh announced lately nominees that have announced the nephew awards the world fantasy convention is has just announced their nominees so these things are going on. Of course, Worldcon uh, starts today down in New Zealand, so we're going to have the Hugo Awards coming soon. The Eisner Awards were just announced last week at Comic-Con at home, um, which we're going to talk about Comic-Con at home, not today, but it's not what everybody, I think, was hoping it would be. So we're going to get into that a little bit more. But you look at the Emmy nominations... Um, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight genre projects that I see just looking at it as a cursory glance on the list of the different ones, but it's the same ones. Uh, so we'll get into that. By the way, I guess I can safely announce this because it's been over a week now. Our Instagram is over a thousand followers now. And I'm very happy to report that it has stayed over a thousand followers. Uh, we have this thing, and I don't know if this is a, a social media thing or if this just us, but we have a tendency, our numbers on all of our social media have a tendency to fluctuate and they bounce a little bit and they go up two or three and then they come down one or two and they, they go up one or two and they come down one. It's, it, 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 it's a constant bouncing ball that you have to follow. And whenever we cross a milestone, 
I generally hesitate to make any kind of announcement because I know it's going to change and we're going to fall back under that. Uh, so when we hit a thousand, I was like, okay, let's see how long it lasts. Uh, but it seems like we have solidified our following over a thousand over there. So happy on that. We also have uh, here over on our Twitter. We're well over 3,000, 3,027 followers on Twitter and on Facebook. Let's see. We don't have the page. It's not a very good thing. 2,233 followers over on our Facebook page. Now, what does that translate into as far as traffic goes here on the YouTube channel? The answer, not much. Uh, because according to YouTube, our traffic is generally coming from people who are not subscribed, which is fine. You know, we want we want more people to find the show, uh, but it also indicates to us that the people who are following all of the social media channels are not clicking on anything. And I don't know if it's because. I don't subscribe to the notion that we need to use clickbait to get people to click things. Or if it's just because people click a like and a follow and then they forget that they're connected to us in some way. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. The, the easy thing would be to try to put people on blast. Now, what I, what I had... What I had thought about at one point was sending each and every individual person a message or a tag or a something basically saying, hey, you follow us. Why don't you check out our content? But I haven't done that yet because that would be a little bit extreme. And I don't know that I'm at the point where I'm ready to be a little bit of extreme. But anyway, if any of you are... Uh, so inclined to share links to our videos if you have a notion to do that it would be very much appreciated and those of you who are listening to this show as a podcast uh, we do have uh, we do would like to let me see, see if I can get this to say out we would like for you to watch us on our YouTube channel uh, if you are interested in that as well, because it helps the the analytics and the algorithms and all that good stuff. If you're new to the program, we do invite you to subscribe. And if you are subscribed, uh, thank you, one. Uh, but also, we want to make sure that you have your notifications turned on, because the social the social media being the way it is, there is a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of things that are demanding your time and attention. We're glad that you have some of that attention directed at us. We hope that it's worth it. We hope we, we give you some value to, in exchange for your time and, and attention. And the, uh, the other part of that is, you know, it's transactional. We want to make sure that what we're doing here is worth the time. Uh, but we also want to provide something that may, maybe you don't get anywhere else. Um, and in terms of our news programs, uh, we definitely want to make sure that you're getting something you don't get anywhere else, and that's objectivity. So this is not a news program, so 
this is not where objectivity comes into it. But we're going to look into the uh, we're going to look at the Emmy nominations today because there are a lot of them. We are uh, pulling this from Deadline, which <clears throat> might might or might not be the best place for this but okay here we go so uh the nominations came out today television academy revealed nominations 116 nominees ozark has the most um or, or netflix netflix has 160 nominees led by ozark hbo second with 107 nominees uh watchman the overall leader in nominations with 26 and as we get down into this, uh, there are a number of shows, but I want you to see this outstanding drama series. You have three. You've got The Handmaid's Tale, you have The Mandalorian, and you have Stranger Things. Three genre shows in the category of outstanding drama series. And then we get down in here in a comedy series. I would say The Good Place counts as a genre show even though i've not watched it i don't know enough about it well it's kirsten bell and ted danson okay and she's dead and she's in the afterlife and it's a it's a basically it's a situation comedy set in limbo heaven okay i'm not sure uh so that one i would consider to be probably kind of like a fantasy type of of show and then of course what we do in the shadows nominated for outstanding comedy series as that well. is one i need to definitely catch up on i love the film so yeah well there's there's a lot of that that we have how many how many programs now that we're looking that uh, we have to we have to catch up on <laughs> more than i can count uh-huh 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 yep so I don't know. It's it's one of those things where you make a list, you check it twice, and then you completely ignore it because life gets in the way and you end up doing a bunch of other things. So um, my to-do list here is that long, and I've only crossed off two or three things on it, and this is not even this is not even the entire list. So um, so anyway, yeah. So there is there is that. And we've got, uh, let's see, let's continue here. Outstanding lead actor in a comedy series. Uh, let's see, Ted Danson. Ted Danson there, yeah. And then you have outstanding lead actor in a drama series. You have two, um, nobody, nobody there. Mm -mm. Limited series and movie, you have... Watchmen. Jeremy Irons in Watchmen. And then Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy. We don't have anything there. Lead Actress in a Drama. You have um, Nobody There. Limited Series. You got uh, Watchmen. Regina King is Watchmen in Watchmen. You have William Jackson Harper in The Good Play. Oh, we're, we're, yeah. Regina King is Watchmen. Now, see... All right, Deadline, your editors need to do a better job here because Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series should be bold because that's what you were doing, and now you're not doing that. Somebody somebody dropped the ball on the formatting on the rest of this stuff. 
So outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series. We're looking through here. William Jackson Harper on The Good Place. We have... Uh, that's it. Outstanding supporting actor in a drama. Bradley Whitford for The Handmaid's Tale. And then two, uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright, Wright for Westworld. Outstanding supporting actor in a limited series or movie. You have Yaha Abdul-Mateen II and Javon Adepo and Louis Gossett Jr. All for Watchmen. Now, Louis Gossett Jr., I have not seen his name in a long time. I didn't realize yeah. that he was even in Neither did Watchmen. I. That was that was a surprise to see. But I'm glad people recognize that he's still a good actor. He has always been an impressive performer. There's a there's a movie uh, that Louis Gossett Jr. and Dennis Quaid are in. It's called Enemy, Enemy Mine. Mine. I highly recommend it. It, and is. it is something I've seen. Have you? I really? Have, yes. Wow. I yeah, imagine I, I I don't I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> That's such a rare occasion that you have uh, that you have seen what you're supposed to have seen. And it is so. a very good movie. Yes, it is. Um, you want to talk about if if it had been made today, uh, it probably. Well, I makes mm, me sad if it was made today. I don't think you could make it today. No. Not without not without two well, you could make it today, but anybody that would want to make it today would put too much overt political layers on top of it because of the whole tolerance and yeah. transgender and all that other stuff, that would make it into there and then it wouldn't make any money. No. But it's a good movie. Very. It's a good movie. All right. Let's see here. Outstanding supporting actress in a comedy series. I don't think we've got anybody there. Uh, Handmaiden's Tale. Samara Wiley. What? Samara Wiley for Handmaiden's Tale. Yeah, that's not a comedy, though. You're ahead of oh. me. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, outstanding supporting actress <laughs> in a drama series, The Handmaid's Tale, Samira Wiley, and then uh, Sandy Newton in Westworld, supporting actress in a limited series, um, Gene Smart in Watchmen. It's interesting that Gene Smart is playing Laurie Blake because that's, um, um, I want to say that's Malin Ackerman's character from the movie that Zack Snyder did. She's the second Silk Spectre. Mm. Uh, and then the Outstanding Limited Series, Watchmen, all of the reality stuff, we're not going to have anything there. Competition program, voiceover performance, you've got... Um, Taika Waititi nominated for an Emmy for his performance as IG-11. Now, here's... How is this one for Salt in the Wound? Hank Azaria for The Simpsons. And this nomination comes after Hank Azaria decides to step aside because he's the wrong ethnicity for some of these characters. Wasn't he in on that? I don't remember. Outstanding animated program, BoJack <coughs> Horseman, Rick and Morty. 
short-form animated program. There's a Robot Chicken and a Steven Universe title there. This is where it gets interesting. You, the, you know, the acting, the acting, and the produ- and the and the people that you know, the actors and the story and and the show and all of that. That's that's one thing. Those 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 lists. Everybody gets it. You, to, it's to be expected. Everybody knows what these shows are and all of that. But when you get into the other, you get into the, the below the line, what we call below the line positions, uh, those that are not the directors or the producers, the directors of photography, you get into the crew, you get into the people that actually make this thing work and actually put this stuff together, you know, the nuts and bolts crew. It's interesting to see this stuff get recognized. And I think, I want to say that there's talk still, and the talk is growing, and I'm not sure exactly how, how far this has gone. But over on the Academy side for the films, uh, there is continued push to add a stunt category. Mm-hmm. And that would be interesting to see if one of these days we finally get a stunt category. I don't know. We'll see. Let's see here. Outstanding production design for a narrative contemporary program, one hour or more. The Handmaid's Tale, nominated for production design. Now, production design is uh, the look of the show. Production design is the sets, the costumes, the overall aesthetic of a show. Uh, So if you are designing a spaceship, for example... What does that spaceship look like? If you're designing um, a hotel in Budapest, what does that look like? What kind of decorations are there? What kind of furniture is there? What what do the costumes look like? What what colors do you use? Uh, if you're doing production design for uh, a horror film, uh, are are you in a cemetery? What does the cemetery look like? What do the headstones look like? What do the trees look like? Production design is everything about the look of a film. And that includes uh, hair and makeup, costume, all, all of that, uh, that aesthetic. Now, the production designers and the art directors and set decorators are primarily involved in the sets, the locations, what what does that look like? But they coordinate with hair and makeup so it all fits in in together. At least a good production designer talks to everybody and said, "Okay, how are we how how do we make this how do we make this work? How do we coordinate all of this effort into uh, one cohesive project?" Outstanding production design for a narrative period or fantasy program, one hour or more. You've got um, Watchmen there, which is technically a period piece, fantasy. I mean, you could go either way with that. It's alternate history, so that maybe is period all uh, fantasy watchmen westworld of course it, not really a fantasy it's more science fiction but um okay uh, but watchmen and westworld both getting production design nods there outstanding production design for a narrative program half hour the mandalorian and space force and what we do in the shadows all of those getting nods or production design, and I got to say the the production design you know, recognizing 
the Mandalorian for production design, especially given what we know about how that show was put together as far as the volume and uh, the way they integrate both physical locations, physical sets, and the 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 screens the projection screens to put the environment in place it's a uh, if they don't if they don't win several of these awards i'll be very very surprised and disappointed in the in the tv the tv academy of course i'm not expecting them to win because it's a science fiction piece but you've got a lot of science fiction and genre here. What we do in the shadows, nominated for production design. Then you get into variety shows. We don't have anything there. Uh, outstanding production design for a variety special. We even have one here. I say we. I haven't worked on any of these. The Little Mermaid Live uh, is part of this uh, production design nominations for... Uh, for this, for the Emmys, so there's there's an interesting, uh, an interesting addition. Outstanding casting. Casting is very important in a production. If you don't have the right people playing the right parts, it doesn't quite fly, Captain Marvel. What we do in the shadows, nominated for casting. Outstanding casting in a drama series, Handmaid's Tale. <coughs> And then we get down here to limited series, Watchmen nominated for a casting Emmy, uh, reality program. We don't have anything in reality program. Choreography for variety of reality programming. We don't have anybody there. Cinematography for a multi-camera series. Uh, now we get into the formatting question again, deadline. Um, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Is that, is that the only That's one? That's the only one. Okay. Outstanding cinematography for a single camera series, one hour. You have... Westworld. Westworld. And then limited series of movie, I imagine that... Uh, Two for Watchmen. Two, yeah, two for Watchmen. Let's see. Uh, Xavier Grobet and uh, Gregory Middleton. Gregory Middleton's name I know. Where do I know his name from? Uh, cinematography for a nonfiction program, the Apollo 11 mission from CNN Films. Cinematography by Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins. Can you imagine if they win? <laughs> if they win the Emmy? That would be cool. That would be very, very cool. <coughs> Excuse me. Outstanding cinematography reality program. We don't have anything there. You know, it, it occurs to me that next year... Will be very interesting. Well, well, yeah, besides that. But next year, if they are so inclined, you could have... Uh, Jedi Temple challenge. That is true for reality. Would it be yeah reality variety type of thing? Uh, yeah, I would say reality. I don't know. Do game shows count as reality shows? I'm not sure. Here's here's something that I've always found interesting, uh, mainly because I've I've done this. You look at outstanding commercials. 
I don't see anything here that really sticks out to me. The Groundhog Day that commercial from Jeep. That one that one was funny, but I don't re- I don't remember seeing any of these other commercials. Um well the problem the problem is is you don't watch TV. So unless it comes up on one of the apps that we stream with. Well, that's true. That's true. But in in the times that I have seen television because you know i get i still get out every now and again um and of course they have uh they have the tv on and the waiting room at the doctor's office and the hospitals <coughs> uh-huh. i i'm not saying anything i i'm not saying anything other than they have the tvs on in the doctor's offices and the hospitals and the waiting room uh, so I, it's, at some point, I would say that I probably would have seen these, it, and I, if they were good, I would have remembered them if I had seen them. But I don't remember seeing any of these. The Groundhog Day was the only one that I that I did, and the only reason that I'm familiar with that one is because it ran in the Super Bowl. And I want to say that's the last time I actually watched real TV and paid attention. Really? No. So yeah, I I couldn't tell you I couldn't begin to tell you who who's gonna get that one. Period costumes. Mm-hmm. We have nominations here for. Uh, let's see here. I don't see. I'm I'm well, surprised. Well, see, they have a, but they have a um, outstanding fantasy sci-fi costume. That's true. Category. Yeah. Now here's here's where it's gonna get interesting because. Again, with production design, same same kind of thing. With production design, the costumes are a big piece of selling your program, especially if you're doing any kind of a period piece or a fantasy piece or if you're out in space in the future or anything like that. Um, And this goes all the way back to uh, Forbidden Planet and and, and that sort of thing stuff everything has to sell the story and some some projects do it better than others so the nominees here are carnival row handmaid's tale the mandalorian uh, watchmen the usual suspects here westworld so pretty much everything that's on the air right now um i don't see what we do in the shadows here i noticed that uh, contemporary costumes. I don't think we're going to have anything there. No, nothing there. No. Costumes for a variety nonfiction reality program. Directing for a comedy series. Let's see here. No. Outstanding directing for a drama series. We've got. Nothing there. Limited series, of course, we're going to have Watchmen. Three of them. Uh, three of them. Directed by, I'll say, Nicole Castle, Steph Green, Stephen Williams. Uh, each each nominated for a particular episode. Um, variety series, we're not going to have anything there. Directing for a variety special. Nothing there. 
directing for a documentary nonfiction program. Apollo 11 nominated again, Todd Douglas Miller. Hmm. Oh, Tiger King. Tiger King is nominated for a director's Emmy. (laughs) It's just never going to go away, you know? Uh, Single camera picture editing, The Mandalorian, The Mandalorian, uh, Edner Eisen, Dana Glauberman, and uh, Dylan Fershing, Mandalorian, Jeff Sabinek, Stranger Things, Dean Zimmerman, Catherine Naranjo. I hope I'm pronouncing some of these right. Uh, Editing for a comedy series. What We Do in the Shadows, Yana Gorskaya and Dane McMaster. Outstanding multi-camera editing for comedy. You've got here nothing in genre. Single camera picture editing. Watchmen. Watchmen. David Eisenberg. Uh, Hank Van Egan. Hannah Hauer. Picture editing for a variety program. Nonfiction program, Apollo 11 again, Todd Douglas Miller. Structured reality or competition program. So I guess that would be the char- that would be the the category yeah, that Jedi, Jedi Temple, Temple. Ta- challenge would go into. Lego Masters nominated here. Uh, and we actually know somebody that was on that show, Crystal Star from Dallas was on that program. Uh, I think she made it to the fourth or fifth episode. I'm not sure. Unstructured reality program. There is no such thing. Uh, RJ Critical Blast says, Doom Patrol got robbed. And hello, Robert. Also in the chat. Hello, everyone. Contemporary hairstyling, <coughs> a period of character hairstyling. Let's see here. We got here. Um, hey! <laughs> okay, so about halfway down in character hairstyling, a show called Pose. This is from FX Networks, Fox 21 Television Studios and FX Productions. Barry Limo, department head hairstylist, and right underneath there, key hairstylist, Timothy Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. And, and let us let us be very clear. That is very <laughs> likely not our Timothy Harvey. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Last he, night I, he was he could be moonlighting. In the back. <laughs> he could be moonlighting, but I'm pretty sure not the same. Not the same Timothy Harvey. But we will, we will definitely play with this. Oh yes. On the next H2O program, or I might give him a hard time on on Saturday during a uh, Good Morning Motors. Oh, definitely. Or both. I could do both. Just do both. Both is good. Both is good. All right. So, uh, yeah, Robert says, uh, steaming hot way up north in Canada. So, 
Let's continue through here. Star Trek Picard getting a hairstyle nomination. Outstanding contemporary hairstyling. Uh, reality shows. A derivative interactive program. Doctor Who The Runaway from BBC America. Uh, it's an animated picture. Outstanding Interactive Extension, Stranger Things, Scoops Ahoy, Westworld, Free Will's Not an Interactive Experience. These, these I guess, would be... The after show? Uh, not, well, maybe not necessarily the after show. Possibly the transmedia extras that might be on the website. Web stuff or YouTube stuff. Uh, lighting design for variety series... There are a lot of categories here. Variety, special one. I'm going to just go through all of this. Main title design. Here's an interesting category. Carnival Row nominated for Main Title Design Award. As well as... The Watchmen. Watchmen. And Westworld. Contemporary makeup. Period and character makeup. We've got American Horror Story, 1984. And what else? Picard. Star Trek Picard. And then going through here. This is a very long list. Prosthetic makeup for a series. American Horror Story, 1984. The Mandalorian. Uh, chapter 6, The Prisoner. Which which episode That's was that? That's the one where they were on the ship. Where they were on... Oh, The Prison? Yeah, I the believe prison so. One? Yeah. Okay. All right, well, yeah, because you have several Toilets in yeah. that one. Um Star Trek, Star Trek Picard, Westworld, music, Mandalorian. We have Ludwig Göransson being nominated there for uh, an Emmy. Watchmen getting a, a nomination for music, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So, some pretty good representation here on genre shows getting nods for Emmys. Oh, here we go with the bad editing again. Main title theme, what? The bad editing. Bad. Uh, edi when they go th the oh. for the format. Yeah. Where are we at here? Um, One ro long run-in paragraph. Hmm. <laughs> Watchmen nominated for original music. Outstanding main title theme music. Uh, I don't see anything there. Carnival Row. Music supervision. These are the people who coordinate if there's uh, songs to in be included in with the with the score. Watchmen getting a nod there. Stranger Things as well. Stranger Things. Guest actor in a comedy series. Oh, Fred Willard. 
I bet he gets it just because. Black Mirror are there in the nods. Mandalorian. Um, Mandalorian. So as I'm going through this, I'm seeing the same, pretty much the same story, you know, the same shows over and over and over again. It occurs to me the question, are these awards still of value to anyone other than the industry itself and and for a while um star wars resistance got something oh okay it's in the really bad i mean if you sit and the only reason i caught it was because lucasfilm animation stood out mm. uh jim henson's oh this is outstanding children's program so the dark crystal age of resistance Okay. Was nominated. Um, Star Wars Resistance was nominated. Uh, God, this is so bad. Yes, it is. All right, while you're looking for that, I'm going to answer Robert's question here in the chat. Our mailing address is 1503 Main Street. Number 305, Grandview, Missouri, 64030. And that address also is in it is available in our About tab here on the channel. Uh, and I want to say that it's in our website somewhere. Let me double check because it might not be now that I think about it. Um, I just wonder if they get lazy and figure nobody looks this far down. Well, what it probably is... Oh, yeah, it is. Our mailing address, it's at the very bottom of our website uh, homepage. Uh, but it's also in the About section on uh, uh, on the YouTube channel here. So there it is, 1503. I'll put it up again. 1503 Main Street, number 305, Grandview, Missouri, 64030. And that is an off-site address uh, for the bunker So for security reasons. So... Uh, just to kind of keep keep the the risk low when it comes to people wanting to send us things that we otherwise wouldn't want to have. Uh, Mandalorian has sound editing. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm gonna get a I'm headache sorry. if I keep looking at the rest of it. Yeah, you're so gonna get more. a headache. So let's not let's just, so so is. Well, I guess I guess my question is predicated on an assumption. If if I ask if the Emmys or the Oscars or the the any award still has value, that's based on a premise that it had value to begin with. This is the way I look at it. And I'm coming from not being in the industry in any way, shape, or form. Unlike uh -huh. you, where you've done production and made movie, TV, worked on projects. When it comes to Hollywood, 
actors, directors, they're so full of themselves in a way because they live in their little bubble that they need to pat themselves on their back for well, the work they do. Hold on, hear me okay, out okay, first. Okay. So it's their way of... I, I go back to the scene in Titanic where after dinner, Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio are leaving to go after dinner where you know the women do one thing and the men go and have their whiskey and cigars and congratulate themselves on being masters of the universe. So that's you know, when they go and do their own separate things. And that's the way I kind of picture when it comes to the actors, the, you know, all of them. And don't get me wrong, they probably work very hard to what do what they do. I'm not one. I don't understand it and all that. When it comes to the people behind the scenes, the littler guys who are doing the stuff that we all take for granted, mm. the sound editing, the people working on designing the set, hair, you know, things like that. In that sense, because I picture them being, they're the back, the guys on the back end of it, they deserve a little bit of a, hey, you did a really great job on doing this. And you're not the, you know, you can walk into any store and nobody has no clue who you are type, you know. I don't know. I, I, I see a difference between in front of the camera versus behind the camera. Well, and and it's not. I can I can see a little bit of that as far as you know ego and that kind of thing. But I I have worked with enough people in media. Um, there there are a few that buy into their own press. There there's not a majority of them that I've run across that think so highly of themselves that they are intolerable people. There are a few. Uh, but for the most part, uh, everybody is pretty much, you know, we, we have a job to do, let's get the job done, and, and, and everybody works together and, and does that. Uh, there are some performers who have a, have a method where... They stay, you know, they either stay in character or they try to maintain their mental focus and discipline or there's a reason why they stay away from everyone and avoid people and, and all of that kind of thing. A part of that is process, uh, what, depending on what kind of character you're playing, um, what kind of... Um, what kind of story you're trying to tell. So that, that figures into it as well. Um, I'm, I think as, as the, the industry matures, and I, I use that term loosely, people are starting to recognize because the public understands more about what, what goes into uh, making a film, making a TV series, and that kind of thing. I think that's one of the reasons why you're seeing this big push for the stunt work to get uh, recognized as a category for the Oscars. Because especially in nowadays, with all of these superhero and action films, you have a lot of stunt work. You have a lot of dangerous stunt work. I mean, not everybody can be Tom Cruise doing their own stunts. 
but uh, I think there there definitely has come a time now where uh, the stunts uh, the stunt people should be recognized for their for their work because a lot of these films rely on that for a lot of the major scenes. So we see an evolution, we see a, a change, a gradual change over time as uh, as understanding shifts and as as the industry uh, comes to a different point in recognizing work. But in terms of the value of awards, I, I have won awards for, for various different things. I've won awards for short films. I've won awards for TV commercials. And, and to, in, in my business, ultimately, it really doesn't mean a whole lot because it didn't lead to anything else. I can see, you know, the people that have won awards, you have now bragging rights, and it makes you more valuable in terms of your negotiations for your next contract, your next paycheck, and whatnot. You know, I mean, Brie Larson is an Oscar-winning actress, and so that makes her more valuable from a marketing standpoint, a PR standpoint. Um, you know, if Louis Gossett Jr. wins the Emmy for his role in Watchmen, now he's Emmy Award winner Louis Gossett Jr. And there's there's bragging rights that get attached to that. And there's value to that. And there's some benefit to being able to do that kind of thing because you have... Not only are you getting an industry-recognized performer of high caliber let's say we've recognized the excellence of your work and so because of that you become more marketable but let's say i'm putting together a new tv show and i cast emmy award winner lewis gossett jr in my show well i may be having to pay him a little bit more but there's a transaction there. I'm also paying for the PR and the marketing potential of having an Emmy Award winner on my TV show. So there's a balance there. It strikes where you have uh, there's there's cachet, I guess you could say. There's 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 value to that from the standpoint of marketing and PR and negotiating contracts and that sort of thing. But in terms of the general public, I don't think a whole lot of people pay attention to that sort of stuff. And in genre specifically, I know people don't pay attention to that stuff. Nobody knows, outside of fandom as a collective group, nobody pays attention to the Hugo Awards. Nobody pays attention to the, to the Saturns or the Nebulas or the Nephys or the, the World Fantasy Awards or any of those. Unless you are in... This very small, tiny box called genre fandom, you don't know about this stuff. The general public, the general population, doesn't know about it, doesn't care about it. Should they? Does it matter? If you take the comics industry, for example, the comics industry is dying on the vine. 
it is imploding around us as as we watch we're watching we're watching it burn to the ground right now indiegogo crowdfunding kickstarter those projects those are doing okay in terms of making money but they are making money because they have a few thousand backers 2000 2500 3000 1000 600 it's a limited number of people in that audience and a lot of them are in the same audience for multiple projects so it's not like you're going you know one project has 2000 people and and this other project has 500 people so you've got 2500 odds are most of that 500 is in that 2000 so you have a lot of crossover so the value of an Eisner Award, for example, being the comic book Oscar, <clears throat> it doesn't really have as much potential from a marketing standpoint to the general public unless there's a push on the part of the publishers, on the part of the comics industry, to get more awareness out there about, hey, look at these comic books that we have. Look at these, look at these products. How do you sell your product? Um... Yeah, Critical Blast. Ironic that Kim Tim King won an Eisner. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Um, did he? Did he win a, an Eisner this weekend? Let me let me take a look here real quick because I don't remember seeing his name. But I I didn't uh, I didn't read one hundred percent paying attention. Let me look here real quick. The Eisner Awards. Um. I see G. Willow Wilson for and Christian Ward for Invisible Kingdom. Um, I do not see. I'm looking real quick. Stand by here, folks. Uh, no, no, I don't, uh, I do not see him. There was one tie and the tie was, um, in the tie was best U.S. edition of international material is cats of the Louvre and Witch hot atelier. So no, I don't even see Tim King's name in here at all. So, not even in the in the nominees. I'm, I could be missing it, but I've gone through here. I don't see Tim King's not now. He has been. I I think he has won an Eisner before, uh, for something prior to his work on Batman. But I I don't see anything. I don't see him nominated this year for anything. Um, no, I'm I'm looking here. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. No, I don't see his name anywhere, which is all well and good because he hasn't really kind of he hasn't really delivered the goods this year, has he? Um, with Batman, you know, getting removed off of Batman early before he finished his 100 episodes. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, Twitter lied. Yeah, um, yeah, Twitter, Twitter lies. So um, I think um, I'm of two minds about it. I can see on the one hand you've got value in having these awards because of bragging and marketing and PR and and contracts and that kind of thing but at the same time you get somebody like a tim uh, uh, like a tom king who is an uh, an eisner award winner and he used to work for the cia and he thinks suddenly he's got some enough clout to cancel uh, other people from working on projects and no Tom, that's not exactly how it works. And I said I wasn't going to get into comics today. We we're talking about the Emmys, but um, but it does it does go into a general, broader, overall question of whether uh, whether awards are worth it or not. And I may mention it to Mr. Harvey. Maybe we'll do an H two O podcast on it and have a discussion about it there. So uh, I think it's I think it's worth an examination. I think the Hugos. Are no longer uh, the the valuable asset that it used to be. Um, I don't think that there's very much to recommend it uh, in the general public anymore. Um, I think <laughs> I think that uh, uh, you you can start to question uh, if these if these awards are valuable only to a certain um, a certain number of people what do those certain number of people have in common that makes this award valuable to them? Is it ideological? Is it skilled? Is it dr driven by anything other than recognition of craft? And if recognition of craft is not the primary reason for getting, for, for passing out an award, then what value does the award have? So I guess, yeah, it's just, yeah, I'm, uh, uh, no, uh, we did not, uh, Critical Blast in the, in the chat asking if we beat Superman last night. Last night on the H2O, pro, uh, uh, H2O podcast, Mr. Harvey and I, uh, sat and did some game time, hooked up the Atari 2600 that Mrs. Boss and I obtained over the weekend, and, um, uh, threw a bunch of game cartridges in. We did not beat Superman. Uh, it is one of those where I think we're going to have to download the instructions to some of these games because some of these I don't remember. I don't remember how to play. But we did do, uh, we did, did, we did pretty well on Hangman. Out of, out of all of those, uh, programs. So we did, we did okay on Hangman. And, uh, and, and Mr. Harvey held his own on Missile Command. So, you know, it's like riding a bike. Some things you just remember, um, and some things it takes a while uh, for the muscles to, to get back into to doing what you're going to be doing. So, uh, speaking of... Uh, let's throw this back up here. So, uh, our mailing address, if you want a sticker, a self-addressed stamped envelope, Sci-Fi for Me, 1503 Main Street, number 305, Grandview, Missouri, 64030. If you would like to save some money on stuff, we have a discount code over at SuperheroStuff.com. Promo code Sci-Fi for Me 10 when you check out, and you will get 10% off your order. 
and that sometimes can be used in combination with sales that they've got going on, depending on how they've got that sale set up. And if you want to take that money you save and support us with it, we do have a Subscribestar account, uh, $5 or $10 level. And then, of course, we've also got a, a, a PayPal uh, tip jar that you could use as well. So that's going to do it for us today. Tonight... We have a brand new Salacious Crumbs uh, dropping at about 8 o'clock-ish. Uh, i got to get in there and start editing and uh, get that show ready. Tomorrow night, a special night, uh, Tribble Bites with all of the Star Trek and Orville news, which we held off on this because last week we were supposed to have Tribble Bites. We decided to hold off because Comic-Con at home, and we didn't get a whole lot of news through Comic-Con at home. So we're going to do Triple Bites tomorrow night. Uh, Tardis Sauce with the Doctor Who discussion Thursday night at 9. The Ranker Pit with the Star Wars discussion Friday night at 8. And Good Morning Multiverse Saturday at 9. So there is a full week. And we are lining up guests for this show next week. Uh, and um, moving forward with that because, you know, quite frankly... There are other more interesting things to be doing with your time than sitting here listening to me go for an hour. So uh, so we're going to get as many guests in here as we can. In the meantime, we do invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. Have your notifications turned on. If you are listening to this as a podcast, uh, we do uh, invite you to check out the video uh, version of this. It is live on YouTube and Monday through Thursday at noon Central Time U.S. And that's going to do it for us today. We've got Comic-Con cancellation updates coming later on today, followed by uh, Salacious Crumbs with the latest Star Wars news tonight here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Thanks very much for watching, folks. Have a good day. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.